speaking of nutrition, because it's going to be on my mind the whole time if I don't ask this, does it seem like the A&D is sort of trying to create a monopoly on nutrition instead of kind of stomping out misinformation? To some degree, yes. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. The who? The Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's what, that's what yeah. I thought, but I wasn't yeah. quite yeah. Well, and like, I think it boils down to also like the test to become a dietitian is still a hundred percent geared towards hospital and food service. <clears throat> there is no sports nutrition. It's, I mean, like <clears throat> some of the shits, like what is the HRPC? It's like bullshit acronyms. That ne- like, I don't need to memorize oh. that. Have we started? Huh? Uh, yeah, it's recording. It's um, recording, but no, we haven't started. We'll, whenever we'll, we want. Yeah, we'll, we'll like do an like intro. <laughs> should absolutely be a part of the actual Oh, usually it is. I yeah. guess one or both of us winds up. Yeah. Going off on I am tangents, not a huge um, fan of how the academy does stuff, and I definitely don't like that it's geared towards literally rich people. Because I don't know about you, but it's taking a nine-month hit to do my internship like mm. really sucks. Unpaid, yeah. and you likely have yeah. to move to pay for housing. Yeah, it cost me oh, like my yeah. parents were willing. To I think thirteen, almost fourteen thousand by the time I paid yeah. for the internship, lived for a year, yada yada yada. Yeah, it's just like oh, yeah. Yeah. And grand that they're making me pay to be in the ISPE program. Yep. Like it's, yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah. Stock market sucks right now anyway, though. So, <laughs> well, but I, hey, Florida came out and said that CrossFit coaches can give nutrition advice. So that's, yeah, yeah that's, I that's, love there Florida, we are. But I also hate Florida sometimes. Yeah. Which we were the first state to have like the licensure so tight because a bunch of personal trainers killed diabetic people in like this in ni- early oh, 90s shit. or some shit like that. Yeah. Wow. And now yeah. it's like, and now uh, CrossFit coaches. Um, cool. Yeah. Let's get started. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah. So this episode, we have Dr. Foley just recently uh, graduated with her PhD. Um, we are going to be talking about research and debunking the myths behind basically trying to help you read research and understand it better. Um, and debunking some of the misnomers and trickle-down effect that gets brought to media with how research is given. Um, so that's our whole idea. We figured it'd be nice to have a doctor who has research experience on here kind of help with that and give her two cents as well. So uh, let's get going. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so, of course, we always start with a myth or some sort of pop culture thing. And what doubles for both of those is documentaries. Especially in quarantine, there's documentaries. <laughs> there's documentaries everywhere. They are not good science, being that they're not objective. So somebody had to fund them. There's always going to be an angle because an angle sells. And if they were completely honest and just showed the facts, you, you wouldn't watch it. You'd get halfway through an episode and you'd be like, well, you know, this is kind of boring. Right. I think documentaries fall under confirmation bias, too. Mm-hmm. People tend to seek out the information they want. So if you're considering a vegan lifestyle, you're going to seek out Forks Over Knives or Game Changers or one of these documentaries Mm -hmm. that tells you that vegan diets are good or whatever. And you have to realize, I believe Forks Over Knives was funded by PETA, which PETA is not even a vegan foundation. It's an anti-farming foundation. Um, In case y'all don't know, PETA euthanizes around 10 to 20,000 cats and dogs a year because they don't have the money to rehome them, but they have active campaigns against farming and veganism, that kind of stuff. Um, they're, they're against uh, livestock farming is, is basically what PETA is. So that's an, that's an agenda, like Nick was saying. It, it's funded by PETA to deliver the message PETA wants you to hear. So, yeah, and really- Research and- always has to have funding though. And the thing is that like, all research is gonna be inherently a little biased on it. Like, especially depending on where the funding source is coming from. Like, even if it's from the NIH, like there's results that you have to get or not get in order to continue receiving funding. So to a certain extent, there's always going to be bias, even though science is supposed to be this beautiful thing that, you know, we can always trust. Yeah, and right. the NIH real quick? Uh, National Institute of Health, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a good point. You know, there is always, and I guess some organizations or funding can be more benevolent um, for example, I believe it was UCAN tried to uh, sue or subpoena Florida State because we researched and found they claim that UCAN, so UCAN is a long release starch. It's basically supposed to give you the calories of a banana over two hours instead of 30 minutes like a banana would. 
um, basically what the research showed was they said it increased beta oxidation or fat burn during exercise. The research said it did not. The research also showed no increase in energy over a time trial and increase in uh, GI distress and gastrointestinal discomfort. So they didn't like that because they funded the study and tried to sue us. Um, I guess they didn't fund it fully. They provided the product, which is a form of funding towards the study. But yeah, like, I mean, some places will kind of get their panties in a bunch and, and come after you, whereas some places will just say, okay, those are the results. And maybe because they understand that no results is not the same as no information when it comes to research. And I think that's also important for people to learn early. Well, and that's the other thing, like there's a lot out there where um, say, say some, I don't know, some random like protein company came up with a supplement, right? And so they give you this supplement and then you're also testing another supplement and the other supplement was, was less expensive, but just as effective as that one other supplement that was provided to you. You can't publish the data about the other supplement because it was funded by the other people. Mm -hmm. So like, that's rough. Yeah. So, so sometimes they can say things like, Oh no, you can't, you can't put that out there. You can only like talk about how our supplement worked. You can't compare it to this other thing that's cheaper and not from us. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's messed up. I get it, but you know, it's, it's not right. Yeah. No. yeah. That was actually going to be along the lines of a question I had is how much control do they have over the study and it getting released or just pieces of it or released at all? Like if you're being funded by, let's say you can, and your results are negative, can they just make the, re the research disappear? I think that comes down to the same answer that winds up happening across nutrition is it depends. Yeah. Um, you know, some, sometimes they can, uh, for instance, I believe sugar industry kind of crushed a lot of, they, they're responsible for the fat is bad for you and the fat fear. Mm -hmm. I was actually going to bring that up because people talk about how like science is so infallible and this is what the data says. And for years and years and years, we were demonizing sugar when in actuality, Harvard was literally being paid off to say that fat is bad and sugar yeah. is not, and sugar is what's killing people. So yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it super depends. It's, it's tough. Um, so really the point of this, why I came up with this idea for the episode. So my major professor, Dr. Ormsby, I'm not sure if he got this from someone else, but he constantly used a phrase that he liked to call abstract scientists, um, which basically means people that read the abstract uh, of the article and then take that to be all the information. Um, so for those not familiar with research, abstract is like the summary. This is the most important pertinent information without the details. Uh, basically who the subjects were, uh, kind of what the study was, and then what the results were. No discussion, not a lot of depth. So then you go in if the abstract no sounds... Interpretation. Huh? Certainly no interpretation or nothing right. meaningful. That's right. It's, it's, it's hard facts with very yeah. little, you know explanation so basically the abstract should be used to tell you if you want to read the rest of the study not the information at hand and we've gotten worse than that to where people are reading some assholes interpretation of it on a news site that's not even the study itself so you know we just keep getting farther and farther away when and and i think elizabeth can dive farther into this so her name's elizabeth i call her foley because i've known her since before she was a doctor um <laughs> so it basically, there's, there's multiple parts, which is you have your intro, which is the background, and then you'll dive into the design of the study, which is going to be your subjects, uh, how you measured things, what your statistical measurements are, um, you know, any kind of depth on the actual procedure that's going on. And then you're going to have results, which is the cold hard data, and then a discussion, which is the scientists discussing how they felt the data should be interpreted and any limitations that they felt occurred during their study. So all that should be taken in together, you know, and I think it comes down to if you look at a study and there's only nine people, is that a good enough size or sample as you'll use in the actual terminology to discern whether it's effective across a large population? You know, if nine people saw that it was beneficial, does that mean if it's beneficial across the millions of people that might possibly take this thing or eat this thing? Yeah, and that's, that is a huge, huge thing, um, especially because people, they'll, not only will they be going straight from the abstract, but they'll be looking at 
pilot studies, which show they have a small serving size because they don't have a whole lot of funding. They just need to show that something's there. And correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Foley, they just have to show that something's there so that they can get more funding to do an, a full, full investigation into what they're looking at. And if that was incorrect, definitely tell I, me. I wouldn't call a pilot study like the end all be all for mm. a scientific, a new scientific fact, right? A new scientific discovery. Like the pilot study is absolutely supposed to be the teeny tiny size. And you go, oh, hey, look, this thing happened. And it may or may not be significant, but hey, maybe if we had more people and more funding, it is significant. Um, I, also, I also just wanted to add too, because we talked about the abstract and how people only read the abstract. And um, then they go and they read something that like some PR firm interpreted, which is usually not right, right? Especially if they're selling something. Especially if they're selling something. <clears throat> but what drives, me, what drives me nuts and part of the reason I think that people are often wrong when it comes to interpreting scientific uh, manuscripts is because they're written so poorly. Like we, we write to tell other scientists how smart we are. We're yeah. not writing to tell people what the results of our study was. And that drives me absolutely up a wall. And I've been told before that my writing isn't scientific enough. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to say? Like, do, do I need to use a more pedantic terminology in order for you to think it's scientific enough? What exactly about this wasn't scientific? Yeah, like and, did, and did it really, get across? Like, <laughs> it, drives, it drives me nuts. Cause I'm like, you don't have to, you don't have to get into like the molecular pathway of why prunes rebuild bone you know what i mean like what matters is that when women who are postmenopausal supplement prunes they rebuild bone and they have less fractures like that's that's important yeah, that's what's important that's yeah. what's important people right yeah you refer to them as people and not subjects so we're gonna have to <laughs> fail you on this one it's like who the fuck do you think's taking these things people right i mean um, especially if actually never mind i'm not even gonna say that yeah. Um. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like typically too, a lot of times, depending if it wants to be a human trial. So, and I say wants to be because a lot of research now in Florida State actually kind of ran into this with our new dean is um, people wanted to do cell research because there was a lot of funding there and that's what mattered. But ultimately the goal with a lot of research, especially in nutrition, is to get to human trials because you typically start um, in vitro. So you do it cellularly and then you move to rats and then you move to humans. So basically does something happen? Does it stay safe in rats that are designed to die? If those two things get passed, then we can test it safely on humans without question or worry. Um, but people will read a rat study and say, look what happens. And it's like, well, we're not rats. And these rats typically are inbred as fuck and have all kinds of issues, like bred to have cancer. We talked about yeah. it in a previous episode. Yeah. And that's, they, uh, they're meant to die. Like, that's the I point of rats. That further, actually. I can take that even Oh, second. yeah. That's, uh, yeah. This is exactly um, why I wanted you on here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I do microbiome research, or at least at least I did. Currently, I'm doing Hell you know, yeah. hashtag COVID. But um, yeah, so I had to do a lot of research on on microbiome stuff and how, you know, things like intermittent fasting can affect your microbiome. And one of the articles I came upon was literally done in fruit flies mm. and then worms. And we have taken what we've seen in the life of a fruit fly, which was doubled by like intermittent fasting or something stupid. And now, oh, well, obviously that's what's gonna happen to people. I'm gonna live twice as long if I intermittent fast. <laughs> only have 1200 calories a day and i'm gonna live twice as long like <laughs> we have no proof in humans that that actually works because even if it does happen in an animal we're not like you said we're not a rat we're not a monkey we're a human and the stuff that happens to us is completely different and it's even different like within people and populations you know yeah so human to human can be, yeah. fasting is actually helpful until we've studied a bunch of people who intermittently fasted and who um and who were only eating 1200 calories a day and all these other things for like 30 years and seeing how they lived compared to other people who didn't do that and like it's just it's ridiculous yeah i want like cellular regeneration rates and shit like yeah. i want some details yeah, like, I want on yeah. data on that yeah. on well, and, and I think intermittent fasting, we'll have an episode. It cracks me up because I always tell people that, like, how do you feel about intermittent fasting? Like, everyone does it. 
And they're like, no, I'm like, if you don't wake up every two hours and have a protein shake, you're intermittent fasting. Like that's how, it, that's how it works. You're not eating every two hours. Like, well, and bodybuilders do wake up in the middle yeah. of, yeah, they don't yeah. intermittent fast. fast. Yeah. They I don't mean, fast. Yeah. yeah um, I know yeah, that. You are, or people that. say, I don't eat breakfast. I'm like, that's physically impossible. Uh, you have to break your fast at some point or you never eat again. Like you do eat breakfast. It might be at six o'clock at night, but you're eating breakfast. You're so. eating. Um, well, and you know, once again, if that works, if that works for the person, because I know there's a lot of people, they have food addiction and the fewer bats they have at the plate, the better they are at controlling their weight. But yeah. like, for somebody like me, I turn into a pillow animal. with that on it real quick. What? Can we get a pillow with that on it real quick? The fewer bats you have on the plate, the easier it is to lose your weight. Yeah, that's a good, I like that. Although, Stolen. <laughs> like, you're going to have, next episode, we're going to have a pillow that yeah, says that. Yeah, I mean, does your, does your fiance cross stitch or something by any chance? She <laughs> does just a little Ooh, bit. Oh, all right. So yeah, if she starts nice. tonight, yeah. by the time that's she's done med school, pillow. it'll I be like there. That. The nutrition, <laughs> let's, can we start a company? I mad about the gender stereotyping right now, but she literally does, like, Cross stitch, so I can't. Yeah. It was something she picked up. <laughs> well, I know the summer. three of us don't, so I just went with the. <laughs> you don't other know that I don't. In the room. You just I found out that I don't. Oh, do you? Oh, oh wow! We're trying to throw me under the bus. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, we talked about this in the warm up, but so one of my favorite studies that kind of comes down to and what what got me thinking about the media trickle down effect is. Basically, nutrition has turned into this concept that you have to eat within 30 seconds of finishing your workout or you lose all your gains. If you don't eat within 30 First seconds. Off, 30 minutes. But yeah, it's getting extreme <laughs> now. It's like if you don't have a protein IV while you're lifting, you might as well not lift. You know, but it's getting to that point. So basically, there was a study that showed, and I, I, I need to get this from Dr. Ormsby. I tried to look it up, but I have this thing memorized because it bothered me so much. Basically, one study showed that. <laughs> If you have time trials within eight hours of the same day, consuming carbohydrates within 30 minutes of the first, finishing the first, improved performance in the second. When pushed beyond eight hours, there was no difference, regardless of when food was consumed. Wait, so, so it was a very, very specific situation. Huh? There's no protein involved, it's just carbohydrates? Just carbohydrates. Okay. And that trickled down through the media and through interpretation to you have to eat within 30 seconds to maximize your gains. But the true anabolic window of protein for optimal protein uh, and mTOR pathway stimulation or muscle protein synthesis is two hours. After two hours, there's still an effect. It's just not an optimal effect. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's, and Elizabeth and I were talking, it, if you, if it works for you to get it within 30 minutes, great. You get it done and you're, it's out of the way. Don't worry about a two-hour window. But there's no stress or strife of waiting till you get home. You don't have to stop by Chick-fil-A or McDonald's to make sure you cram something down because your drive is 41 minutes and, oh, it's 11 yeah. minutes past my window. You know, so that study was very um, inspirational for me, just kind of diving into, like, making sure you actually interpret the results correctly and don't just listen to what media says. Yeah, and it's, it's also good to keep in mind placebo effect too. So if not getting that protein in those first 30 minutes is stressing you out, prepare, get that protein. Chances are that placebo effect will take place and you'll, you might have a little bit of a better reaction to it, just getting it that close simply because you think it's going to work a little better. Mm -hmm. Power of belief. Yeah. So belief is everything. I also want to add something. I just, I just remembered something. So the fruit flies slash worms were caloric restriction, not intermittent fasting. Ah. Yeah. Yep. Just eat, sure. It's the same thing because like yeah. intermittently fast or calorically restricting. It's yeah. just true. But, right. Yeah. Like when you're a fruit fly and your life is eight days, you really can't yeah. take <laughs> hours off. You know, like, um. <clears throat> but and also if you're, if God, first off, don't try to cross animal studies to humans. But if you are going to, make sure it's not a fruit fly. Make sure it's a mammal. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah but, but even still, like we we just we decided that monkey studies were too inhumane because they're too mm -hmm. smart. They're too close to humans. But rats are nothing like us. And I think the classic case is uh, the saccharin studies from like I think it was the '80s, basically showing that saccharin caused cancer. 
And now they've taken those warnings off the labels because the saccharin was causing cancer in cancer positive mm -hmm. rats who also have a higher nitrogen content in their urea. And that's where the reaction was occurring. And they were being fed like their body weight. And I don't know if a lot of people know this, but artificial sweeteners are between two and 400 times sweeter than sugar. So you are not, even if you consumed the same amount of sugar, you don't consume your body weight in sugar. So you're consuming two to 400 times less than that in saccharin. That's not going to cause cancer when the study showed that rats consuming their body weight got cancer. I mean, if you eat your body weight in anything every day, you're probably going to get fucking cancer. <laughs> yeah. God, I couldn't even imagine a hundred and some, two hundred pounds of food just every single day. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, they're putting it in the back. Yeah, of I mean, what, whatever like, you think, kale, whatever you think the healthiest yeah. food in the world is, it ain't if you eat that much of it. That's so true. Oh God, that would that would hurt. Two hundred pounds yeah, of kale. I can't, I can't get there mentally. I feel like I only <laughs> eat eight pounds of food a day. I don't no. like kale at all. It's okay. Oh, it's it tastes it's like shit. Bitter. It's really only because you brought a smoothie, honestly, and like you have. A bunch of other delicious fruits. Yeah, like you um, need some a lot of blueberries. I'm, yeah, you gotta cover that shit up. Maybe yeah. throw a banana in there. Yeah, because I mean, if you put a banana in a smoothie, it's officially a banana smoothie. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think I think that's you know really important is making sure you understand the source and like Elizabeth alluded to earlier, how there is always some sort of funding or bias. But what's starting to happen is, so take creatine, one of the most tested nutritional supplements on the planet. Like there is no doubt that it works because it's been tested thousands of times. Well, what's starting to happen with the way research is driving, in my opinion, is everyone wants a novel study. They don't want repetition. They, there needs to be something interesting and novel about your study. Well, that doesn't help science. Unless you're also testing something that's been testing and adding novelty, which most people don't do, but we need repeated results because one exactly. study can say anything. Uh, the head, what's his name? What's the asshole that did the um, keys, the keys study with the saturated fat? He emitted a shit ton of data showing that people who eat high cholesterol didn't have saturated fat in some cultures and people who didn't eat a lot of cholesterol <laughs> had high saturated fat yada yada whatever the results were it basically turned out to be bullshit the cholesterol saturated fat interaction because he emitted data but it's still used to this day even though it's a total misnomer you know like that's because nobody re replicated it it's just what it, now we're starting to because we're realizing it's bullshit but we've run away from replication nobody's going to replicate studies yeah. anymore and it's just kind of ruining the scientific method well, and part of the but reason the reason people don't replicate those studies is because there's no funding for it. Like you said, yeah. you have to add this novel thing to it, right? So we've done a bunch of prune studies, but every single time we do a prune study, we add something new, we add something we didn't do before. Even if it's some stupid biomarker that is like, yeah, you know, it has a reason that we're looking at it, but it's like, okay, it's really only to like make it so that it's new. And, and I think it's ridiculous that you have to do that. Like we need funding that is specifically dedicated to making sure that the scientific conclusion that we've all decided is true now is actually accurate. Yeah, Sorry. I agree. Yeah, and, and I mean, replication is super important for accuracy and consistency because as we've seen with uh, anti-vaxxers, there was one shitty study that said that it caused autism and they ran with it. And people like with documentaries don't seek out the information that they don't want. They will find the information that fits what they believe and right. say, I told you so. Yeah. You know, that, that, okay. Oh, wait, that's actually a great segue back into research. So, <laughs> um, you know, when you do, when you do these like assays, right, you're, you think to yourself, oh yeah, you know, if you do everything right, you'll get the desired response. If there's the protein that you're looking for there, the assay will pick it up. It's magic. It's science. That's how it works. No, you can do every single thing right. And there can be that protein that you're looking for in your sample. And it still might not show up because there's something either wrong with your assay or just like something weird happened and it just didn't work and, or it picked up the wrong protein or whatever the heck happened. And that's another thing that drives me nuts about, about research in general is that we forget that there's this huge human error and you have to like, just kind of hope that the person who's doing 
the test and who's who's um pipetting everything and having been that person who's been like under a deadline pipetting stuff like <laughs> i have not accuracy kind of goes so down yeah. yeah. It kind of got thrown out the window. Like, I, uh, I, I don't even want to talk like, about Oh, shit, it. that's 11 mils. That's a 10% like, increase, like, yeah. Bro, so bad. Some of the some of the things that I was pipetting, I'm like, oh, this is not the same amount. Oh, that's bad. Like, oh, this, these are both like, No, but just close it up and file it under science. That's good. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, dang, bro. Like, and-, um, and Anybody, so people that don't know what NASA is, very basic definition. It's basically a solution that has something that will react and show whether that's through color change or some other method what is occurring inside so if you're looking for a certain protein there will be an enzyme that reacts that with protein for example and it'll change colors or something basically it'll give you some sort of result or definition that's a very basic definition because there's a bunch of different types of assays eliza radio labeling yada yada but just in case that word flew over your head um it's kind of like the litmus strip that you put in your pool to see, you know, how much chlorine's in it kind of shit is, is a very simple example of that. Um, so yeah, thought that was, I like to explain shit to people in case they don't know. No, that makes sense. Cause I've, yeah. I've dealt with so many people who are <laughs> higher ed and who are like getting their PhD and who just spend their life, you know, pipetting in a lab that I just assume that everybody knows what an assay is. Oh, so. well, it's cause you're a scientist. You gotta, you can't, you gotta sound super sciencey or you're honestly, dumb. Yeah. Like, exactly. <laughs> you don't know what an assay is, bro. Yeah, idiot. Yeah. yeah. Everybody that listens to this podcast that doesn't know what an assay is, is an idiot. All right. Just so you guys know. <laughs> well, I all know now. You just explain. Yeah. Well, that's none, none of y'all are exactly. idiots. You're welcome. Yeah. Boom. Exactly. Um, Boom. Everybody's wonderful. Everybody's beautiful. But <laughs> So yeah, we so, briefly talked over this. I wanted, I, and I want Elizabeth to dive into this one more. So we kind of talked and put on our thing about um, the difference between like statistical significance, effect size, and some of those things that pop up in the results as far as, you know, what that means and how you interpret it. Um, I think we mentioned sample size earlier, but you know, that kind of stuff is important. So um, that's more your realm. It's been a while since I've done research. I think the last one I did was Kyle's teacrine study. Mm -hmm. That was shit years ago. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was, that was two time. years ago. I, that was before I went to the Dolphins and internships. Yeah. So, oh wow, wait, how how long have we been on this call before he mentioned <laughs> that he interned for the Dolphins? I didn't intern. Oh. I worked for the Dolphins. Sorry, that was a that was a full time paid sorry, job. Yeah, they didn't have any damn internship. Yeah. Oh, Nick brought it up oh, episode one. Our, oh, yeah, our regular no. listeners know. Nick, I, yeah. Yeah. Very, that, like you just threw it in there. <laughs> I didn't. Nick brought it up immediately. He was like, hey, this it guy works for the Dolphins. To, yeah. Like it, had it to be has to up, come yeah. up all the time. And actually, I was I was talking to my fiance about it recently. I was like, yeah, Blair's so nonchalant about it. If I worked for an NFL team, I'd be like, I fucking work for an NFL team. That's fucking right. Like. Well, it's funny because most of my shit now, exercise gear is dolphins because yeah. that's what they gave. And like people all the time be like, oh, you're a dolphins fan? I'm like, yeah, huge fan. I just walk off. I don't care. I don't like, I, you know, I'm not gonna yeah. 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 Well, they were the only team to truly have like a perfect season. Yep. Exactly. The only one. The only dolphins. one. Somebody told me it was the Patriots. And I was like, nope, not nope. true. Because nope. mm -hmm. they lost to the Giants in the they Super won. Bowl, 17 yeah. and 0, and they lost, idiots. Yeah. Um, yeah, undefeated dolphins. <laughs> Yeah. We suck now, but yeah, but it, I mean, talking football though, we might. No, they're, they're, Dolphins are going to win the division this year if there is a season. I mean, you got Scam Newton, who's a fifty percent passer, going to the Patriots. Like, yeah, it's the Patriots. We'll see what happens. But Flores turned a bunch of like ragtag misfits. I literally, we went through a hundred and ten roster changes, the most in NFL yeah. history. My second year there. Ooh. And they wound up winning like what four of their last six games or something like that. Like they actually wound up playing beat the Patriots in, in Foxborough for the first time in 20 years. Like actually I, I think they're going to be good and they made some good off season moves. I'm still a Saints fan. Don't get me wrong. Drew Brees all the way, but I think the Dolphins will be pretty decent. Three or five till I die. Yep. Oh, I know it. I don't know anything <laughs> else that you were talking about, but like, yeah, go Dolphins. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's okay. I don't follow football at all. So. <laughs> I, I got a little sidetracked with all the research and all that stuff. You know? Oh yeah, no, I, but that's I that's the point. Yeah, like, to baseball players and stuff, and like now I can barely remember what I need to know for my 
dissertation. It's fine. Everything's fine. Nick's all the time. He's like, oh, sorry, we're on a rant. I'm like, that's literally the point of having a podcast. Oh, like, yeah. We, nobody's paying us. We can do whatever the hell we want. Like, I'm not. So true. Well, okay, it was funny. Thing you wanted to ask me, and it had something to do with. Uh, so, so mainly statistical significance and effect size. Um, oh, right. You know, right. That, you know what that means. So uh, I ran into that issue with my with my project. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go into like a little side note so that everybody kind of understands why this was a problem. So when I came up with with my study for my dissertation, it was truly it was beautiful. Um, there's a, a meme, and it's like this gorgeous drawing of a horse's butt, and then by the end of it, it's like a fifth grader drew it. Oh no, and exactly like, what you're talking about. Yeah, literally, mm -hmm. literally how my dissertation went because everything that went wrong. Like, if it could have gone wrong, it went wrong. It was just, it was special. Like, I, I, I still, like, gawk at how hilariously this fell apart. And so, that sounds like my academic career. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> just life in general. <laughs> you nice, yeah. Anything that could go wrong did. Cool. Um, but basically, if I, can, if I can graduate, like, after all this crap happened, then y'all can do it. Promise. Because this is this one hell of a story. So basically, <laughs> I got funded by Ubiome. Ubiome is this like Fortune, you know, 500 company at the time, and it's like this fantastic new new company that has this new way of looking at the gut microbiome, and it's cheap, and it's like only 110 dollars per sample, and whatever, and they give you all this information, and they funded me. I'm like, yes, it's so exciting. I've always wanted to look at the gut microbiome, and they had biostatisticians, and they had all these people that were going to help me with what I was doing. And um, also, if you look at the stats, because I was looking at osteopenic men, if you look at the stats nationally, Tallahassee should have like all these osteopenic men. And apparently, there's something in the water here because nobody's osteopenic. And I have mm. the hardest time getting, like, recruiting anybody. And then um, <laughs> after we had a hard time recruiting people, you buy them unceremoniously shut down. And they stopped analyzing all of my, my microbiome samples. Oh, and I actually yeah. wouldn't have a single microbiome sample if I hadn't individually gone and downloaded all the FASTQ files, which I had no idea what to do. So I had to like teach myself how to do all this stuff. And I had to ask all these random people what I was supposed to be doing to like salvage my life's work. Is FASTQ and a statistical software? FASTQ, is, it's just a type of file that like has all the coding for the reads of the okay. sequencing basically. Um, so without something to read it, it's completely useless. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. have a data pipeline. I had no access to a data pipeline. So like, yay, I have all these fusty files. But then I also had to go through and like figure out who belonged to what. And like, it was, it was a lot. So by the end of it, I have 34 <laughs> gut samples uh, instead of the 208 I was supposed mm. to have. Oh, damn. So like not even half, not even like a third, I don't think. It was just, it was- It's so less than a quarter. <laughs> it's, it's really, really bad. Like, <laughs> like, and that was, you guys have to understand, like the, the title of my dissertation was the alterations in the gut microbiome of osteopenic men after three months of dried plum consumption. Like this was the whole point of my dissertation. Mm -hmm. So we went from having, I did this calculation to see what I needed for statistical significance. And I think the number ended up being like 72, which is why I needed like 208, I think. Uh, of the kits so that we can send in the samples and um by the end of it all i only had 40 participants and i didn't have information on all the 40 participants and i'm sure that you know my committee would be super mad if they heard me talking about this um but and and it just it drove me nuts because i had done everything right to get statistical significance for things um and then when I went and did some post hoc analysis with the, the amount of variation that we saw in some of the inflammatory biomarkers, I would have needed like 200 people, which is the entire study that we did, by the mm. way, um, in order to see any significance in some of my, that, that matter for the general population and some of um, my measures like for CRP and for IL-6 and for all these other things that I didn't find significance. And I thought I was going to. That was like another part of my research. I thought I was going to find significance after pre-consumption. And is it CRP out? and IL six are inflammatory markers. Inflammatory markers. My bad, guys. Yeah. I, seriously, yeah. I have talked about C-reactive protein and interleukin six. So y'all really want to look into it. But yeah, those are your those are two big uh, inflammatory markers. So yeah. yeah. Well, so TNF alpha. We looked at that too. Mm -hmm. And that's tuberculosis factor alpha. But um, 
that's neither here nor there. Right. And I just like people to know what the hell they're. No, I, yeah. I'm just throwing out <laughs> alphabet soup and being a douchebag again. I don't mean to. I really don't mean to. <laughs> no, you, you can't help like, it. I'm so like you're, you're being scientific enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's totally fine. I'm no, I'm being annoying. I'm trying, I'm trying to like get back to being a normal person who like doesn't talk about bacteria and poop when she's Whoa. on like a date or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's yes, the interesting thing of talking about something that you're an expert in, which this uh, directly translates over to research. The everyday person finds a, an article or shit gets their hands on actual research. They found PubMed and they're not an expert. So they have experts, they're reading what they say and then attempting to translate it. And so like, it's, it's one of those, it's on both sides. So. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is all my predictions were wrong. So um, it's the, the cool thing about the microbiome is that in order to see statistical significance, like you need two samples. Like you can just, you can have somebody take a crap and you look at the, <laughs> you look at the 16 sRNA sequencing. And then later on in the day, if they can do it again, you have them do another one and you take that sample. And generally speaking, depending on what, on what you've eaten that day, there will be a significant difference between the two. So I knew I was going to find some sort of significance there, or at least I really hoped. And I was like, I mean, I guess that could go wrong because everything else has. But I was really shocked to realize that I didn't have enough information or enough people um, to see significance for my inflammatory biomarkers. And that was a huge aim for me. And um, that was that was like weird. So once I actually did the post hoc analysis for that, because like I said, everything fell apart. So I just kind of like did what I could. Um, it made a lot of sense that I couldn't really draw any conclusions about men and their eating prunes because I didn't have enough people to draw the conclusions from. Now right. when we publish the actual study, we're gonna have plenty of people because we're gonna have over we're gonna have two hundred people. We're gonna have two hundred men that we're drawing these conclusions from. And that's literally what the power analysis told me I needed based on the variation. Um, but yeah, that was that that was crazy to realize that like my sample size was 40. And that is a really good sample size. For most research, yeah, that's big. Yeah, that's a really good sample size. Because if you look at a lot of ex-phys papers and stuff, you'll see like eight people. Yeah, 15. Like, yeah. I, I'm happy with 20 plus in, yeah, in, a, in a fitness yeah. or ex-phys. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And I have 40 people. And I was like, oh, man, I'm totally going to find stuff. We're going to be able to like extrapolate. This is going to be great. And we couldn't because there wasn't significance. And I mean, now we know why, because there couldn't have been, we didn't have nearly enough people. And for the stuff we did find significance, um, which was lipopolysaccharide binding protein, we can't really even draw any conclusions about that because we would still need like 130 more people to decide whether or not that actually mattered. So oh, the geez. only, yeah, yeah bro. <laughs> yeah. I tell you that it became the fifth grader drawing of a horse. I was just like, yeah. oh, or like when there's like a really well drawn head and you just put a stick figure underneath it. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. so bad. And what's great is everybody's like, yeah, you're the expert in this area. And I'm like, oh. am I? Okay, I guess so. Yeah. Cool. This is what an expert feels like is just being stressed out and not having. Okay, cool. Um, not having any idea what you're doing until it's already done. You're like, oh, I could have done this, 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 and this. Like this all could have been better. Oh, terrible. Absolutely terrible. But yeah, so that's so, yeah. Kind of part of research. So when you have like people's dissertations and and they're you know publishing stuff based on their dissertation, um, I'm not I'm not trying to discount science or like insult myself because I worked incredibly hard on this and you can bet that when I publish this, like what I say is going to be true. Right. But um, you know you gotta you gotta kind of look at it and realize that like probably there was some 26 year old dumbass in charge of whatever they were doing, and um. You know, oh, a lot of researchers I've met are clowns. Like, oh, oh yeah, they're huge clowns. Yeah. Um, and they just like, I, I mean, even some of the questions I got for my, here my cats, um, even some of the questions that I got for, for like defending what I was talking about, it was just like, it had nothing to do about anything that I was actually. No, yeah, that happens a lot too. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, I mean, I'm a clown. I would consider myself an expert I'm in nutrition between my, in my experience. And I mean, I just, but I'm a clown. Like I, I'm a fucking goon. So that's fine. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I so feel like a clown, but it's mostly because I don't take everything. Well, I take things seriously. I take almost nothing I seriously. I, I, every, I make everything a joke because if I'm not laughing, I'm crying. So like, mm. I'd rather laugh, and that's my coping mechanism. And well, it makes me a clown. And to make yeah. to make any listeners feel better about just things going wrong in research, think about it like this: you go to Walmart, you're whatever you're buying. How many times do you think the box 
that that product is in got jostled around on the way to Walmart. They took it off the truck. I used to work at Lowe's taking shit off of the truck. Shit was falling all over the place. So it's the same thing. You still get your product at the end. You still get accurate science. It's just yeah. a little messy sometimes. Yeah. It's yeah. Not perfect. And, you know, me and me and one of my best friends in the program, we're constantly laughing. Nerda? Nerda. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, Nerda. She's a, she is Dr. Netta Akhavan. She is a gorgeous Persian girl. Yeah, yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah, she should be a model. She's it's so beautiful. Annoying. It's really annoying. Yeah, it's irritating. And she's like the nicest person on the planet too. She'll like, yeah. someone will be like, hey, Netta, can I borrow 30 bucks? And she's like, no, I don't have it. And then she'll turn to me and be like, was I rude? I'm like, how is that rude? Like more people need to be able to say no. She's so nice. She's like, I'm a bitch sometimes. I'm like, for saying no to an absurd request, that's great. Oh, no, she definitely has claws. Absolutely. I've seen that. Uh, they've come out. Undergrad? No. Mm -mm. Nerd undergrad didn't. But uh, this girl is awesome. She would, I would text her and be like, hey, Netta, is Dirac busy, the science library? And she'd be like, I like how you don't ask if I'm here, but no, it's not busy. No, you yeah. just know that yeah. I'm here. Yeah, because that's just 100% Nerda, like, for sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we would joke all the time because stuff would, like, happen for research and we'd be like bro remember when you were an undergrad and you would like read all this research and you're like oh my gosh i'm gonna get into a flawless lab one day and like everything's gonna go right and and we're gonna be so professional and like and we're not not professional like it's just stuff goes wrong yeah. in a lab and in yep. studies and like and for whatever reason like when you're 22 you think that like everything is gonna go perfectly once you get into that lab once you get to that that level where you're getting your PhD and it's, it's hilarious. You're running around like a chicken with no head trying to like, you know, put out all the fires of whatever's going on with your research. So I like people should absolutely be able to trust research, obviously, but I think we also need to, to make room for, you know, human error and for, yeah. Well, the research itself is real life and the result, the paper published is Instagram. It's, it's, I yes. mean, it looks nice and put together, but. Oh, 100%. That's a great uh, analogy. Yes. Let's, let, let's, let's keep it going. So yeah. the whole thing in science is your results have to be reproducible. How many times did you take that photo for Instagram? Right. 40? Yeah. How, yeah. I mean, how many Except camera rolls you got? I, yeah. like, <laughs> I actually only take live photos directly on Instagram. <laughs> But yeah, so, so she, Foley keeps mentioning significance. So statistical significance, it sounds not like what it is, if that makes sense to the, to the layperson. So that is the likelihood that it wasn't a random chance that this occurred. Um, typically, significance is set at, I think, P.05, which means that 95% of the time this occurred because you wanted it to, not by chance. Mm -hmm. If it's between 0.1 and 5, that's called trending towards significance, which means that it's almost there. It, it's likely this is the result you want, but you can't be a certain. 90% is not as good as 95. Yeah. Um, and then there's effect size, which is what people tend to think of when they think of significance. It's not a significant result. It has a high effect size. It's the magnitude in which it occurred. So something can have a small effect, but large, like statistical significance. Um, for instance, green tea, very small effect size in weight loss. Uh, 12 week study showed 0.7 kilogram weight loss, 0.8 kilogram weight loss over 12 weeks. Not a high effect size, but it was statistically significant. So yeah, it was, it was less than two pounds or about two pounds. That's not a high effect. If you did something for 12 weeks and lost two pounds, that's not a great effect, no, but it was statistically significant. So those two things are very different as far as how well something works versus how consistently it works at what level. So once again, just throwing more shit at you to make you realize how muddy research can be and so you understand how to clear the waters. I also wanna point out how important it is when you set up your research. So like the methods, a lot of people just, including myself sometimes, hey, sorry, um, just go straight past methods. And like, it's really important to look at how something was done. Mm -hmm. and how it was analyzed statistically because like you can make stats say anything you want it to say and if the study is set up poorly the result isn't going to matter because it was set up to fail you know right or, yeah or set up to give you the desired result which doesn't really mean anything so yeah, yeah. and no. i you know it's in that so what the methods is going to be where you find sample size which is the number of people included how long the study was yada yada you know so 
it's say 90 people jump in the study, but it's only two weeks long. Is that really enough to know the effect of something? That depends on what it is. You know, if this is a lifestyle intervention, two weeks isn't enough to, for me to know whether or not it's healthy. You know, but if it's something like, I don't know, uh, anti-venom, I think two weeks is probably a long enough study, you know? So it really depends on what you're looking into as far as the duration of the study and how it works. So I think on average nutrition and uh, physio studies are 12 weeks, uh, three months seems like a pretty decent amount of time. Plus it's really hard to get people to stick to something for even 12 weeks, let alone oh longer my God. than that. Or like a year? Yeah. Mm, 50 or yeah. 100 grams. Yeah. So, I mean, the, and, and I, we said, saw the same thing that Foley did with her research is when we were doing, I was recruiting, uh, we needed women who could bench, I think it was 75% of their body weight and squat their body weight. And I specifically asked every single girl I came across at the gym when I was re like trying to recruit people or people that responded to me that the flyer said it, I told them in person, yada, 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 40 plus percent of them, could not do it when they came in and test in the lab you know so it's like you have you think right. you got all these people coming in and they just like outright mm -hmm. lied to you and it didn't they didn't even fit your criteria maybe they didn't know huh maybe they, they, didn't. They, they, they lied you know if you can bench your body weight i mean what well, i know i, I don't know i don't I'm know sick recently and i can't do anything right now but like i don't know at one point i definitely thought i could and i couldn't yeah, I mean, I'm, I, that's a minority of the people that came in, though, is, is thinking, you know, they might have said, yeah, I can squat it and I'll try the bench. Like, so I'm sure that happened quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, because I could always squat it. Yeah. Right. You know. Usually that's going to be the problem. When you said 75% of your weight, I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's tough. Yeah. But still, well, so you've already lost, say you have a huge turnout, but you've lost 40, 50% of them from criteria. Oh, my God. And then they drop out because they don't want to come back for the second meeting. They drop out for any stupid reason. They constantly reschedule. They drop out halfway through. Oh, it, it feels like a beta alanine studies, like a huge dropout on beta alanine because it makes you feel tingly in your skin and people hate it. Makes it. you feel great. So we, we need 200 <laughs> people for the study that we're doing on prunes and osteopenic men. We have screened well over three or 400. Yeah, that, that and describes we have it all. like 50. Like yeah. it, it's nuts. And some of the yeah. people dropped. Like, it's hard. It's, it's hard to get people. I mean, research is hard in yeah. human populations, which is why people like to do basic research or they like to do animal research because people are messy and you can't really necessarily say that, oh yeah, they are having the supplement. The human element. That's yeah. what it factors into. <laughs> yeah, they are oh, yeah. You know, eating the prunes. They're doing whatever they say. They're not starting an exercise program because they're not supposed to. You know, like all those things. There's absolutely human element. Yeah, human studies are inherently flawed because you, unless you take them and put them in a controlled environment for the duration of the study, you have no idea what they're doing outside of it. How, I mean, yeah. unless, like, there were some nice ones at FSU where we did, like, nighttime protein feeding where they had to come in, take the protein, stay the night in the lab under monitor, and then wake up and we me like measured what we wanted to, to look into. So we had them from the time they ingested what we wanted till the time they woke up, which is the area we were looking for. Outside of that, it's very difficult to control people's day-to-day, -day, what they're doing. You say, don't change your training, and then they take on a new program. That's Blair, changing your training. Next time I'm in Tampa slash St. Pete, we're going to see if I can bench 112 pounds. Okay. Okay. Just one time. Yeah, that's fine. That, that's like a one. I get free guest at this high end gym I go to called Crunch And I must, I must know if I can do it. I feel like right. I push up so I can. That's crazy to me. Side note, just a side note. <laughs> I, I can bench like 150% of my body weight. I think hey, right now. your testosterone is showing. That's awesome. How nice for you. <laughs> Have you never had a shoulder injury on both sides? I'm I'm 35. I'm constantly injured. You do, okay. I'm just trading injuries. That's I'm writing a book Honestly, called. Honestly, what's making it so I can't do stuff is because I had a really bad soft tissue injury on my left shoulder. Mm, that's the worst. And like, oh my gosh, it's taken me a year and a half to recover from it. It's so bad. When 200 pounds falls on you, I mean, it hurts. Yeah. I'm yeah. I break. I've been chugging water all day. I gotta run to the bathroom. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. I'm going to get another drink anyway. All right. I'm going to do that, too. That's perfect. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Natty Light Seltzer. Thanks. We'll be taking that check whenever you got it, Natty Light.
We're back. First break we've ever taken. Let's get back to it. Um, so, yeah, like, I guess we'll dive in with Dr. Foley on how to pull the most from, you know, we mentioned results and discussion are two different uh, parts of the research paper. Um, results are more your hard data and discussion is, is the scientists themselves talking about how they interpret the results. Um, to me, both are necessary. I think for like the average person, start with the, the discussion so you can understand where they're at and it might be enough for you. If you have a better understanding, you might not agree with their interpretation because that's their interpretation. So you might want to look at the data and say, well, I kind of felt this about it. Um, and that's totally okay if you have the wherewithal to comfortably do that. Um, I mean, I've definitely you know, looked at a chart before and gone like, how did you get that result? Right. Yeah. Where did you pull this from? Like, what are you talking about? So. Yeah. And the discussion can be manipulated by funding and, and confirmation bias. Um, so one of my favorite things with like limitations, and a lot of times limitations won't be listed because of a researcher's own confirmation bias. A lot, a lot, a lot of vegan studies don't have a controlled meat eating diet that they compare vegan diets to. They kind of just say, well, you had McDonald's within the past month, so you're in the meat eating group. Uh, here's a controlled vegan diet we want you to be on that's roughly this many calories and this much protein. And then you eat whatever you want, but it contains meat, so you're in the other group. And the results are very biased in that result because, and whatever the discussion is, because that's not fair. Eating a controlled calorie like designed diet is going to be healthier for you than go eat McDonald's or whatever the fuck. I mean, like, that's just, that's not a good comparison to me. So. What do you mean? Yeah. McDonald's and veganism aren't like the same? Well, now I can be vegan and eat McDonald's. I <laughs> know oh, that's Burger King that's got the Beyond. Bro, the Beyond Burger, though, is so good. Not from Burger King, because I will never, ever get to a Burger King. <laughs> but like. It is good. Burgers taste like burgers. Yeah. We actually got one at Crystal or, yeah, White Castle, one of those shitty places when we were in Louisville. And the one with the impossible meat on it was a thousand times better than their actual like crystal yeah, burger. <laughs> I might have to try one of those. Oh, oh sorry guys. Hello? There we go. All right. Yeah. Hello? Welcome to the podcast. Who is this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um so popular, you know. So then the last thing is, uh, and this is really like splitting hairs or just diving deeper into it. Most people are going to is the impact factor of the public publication. And that, what that means is how well or commonly read that magazine or publication is. So if someone gets a published to an impact uh, or a journal without an impact factor, that's not as good as if something, and I don't know what a good impact factor is. I mean, typically you see ones, twos, I think like in the teens is insane. You know, so it's yeah. like, I mean, if it's it would be like, whoa, right. You know, you're, you're looking at, you're not getting published in, in, at an impact factor. That's like in the teens, unless you do basic research that has nothing to do with anything that's actually helpful for health. Right. Or you just publish like Asker, you can droop who's published thousands of studies at this point probably gets in decent impact factors. And that's still probably eights and nines, not teens. Well, um, decent impact factors are like, four or five right yeah i mean yeah. So it's yeah it's it's it's, it's really I tough think, scale yeah i'm not gonna lie i don't care about impact factors. no and, and i mean it, it, exposure is what you I want didn't know it was a thing so, until pretending that it matters right like, like it's like oh pat on the back like, yeah. but at the same time if you get published in like you know ass eaters magazine <laughs> like they just want some research like i don't know if i'm gonna go that deep i mean in prunes ass eaters it might be a good fit but well, you know you know i'm not gonna lie i, I was mean, immediately intrigued by how the gut microbiome might change due to ass eating well that's yeah. what i was gonna say one of that's your studies the... might get published in mm -hmm. ass eaters daily so yeah daily wow we're that. really yeah <laughs> i didn't realize they needed it that often that's a very <laughs> a daily ass eater day. yeah <laughs> I really messed up on the joke though, and yeah. I definitely should have said Ass Eaters Digest. Yeah, mm, Digest. Yeah, I remember one time <laughs> my friends were like posed on the beach holding a frisbee, and they looked a little flamboyant. And my friend Elizabeth commented on it. Not this Elizabeth, different Elizabeth commented on the on the photo. This is years ago. Commented on it and said, "This looks like the cover of Queer Monthly." 
And my friend immediately commented and said, hey, everybody, Elizabeth reads Queer Monthly. <laughs> oh, oh, it did, God. though. It was, And I think someone actually Photoshopped it to be a magazine cover. Um, oh, that's fun, yeah. though. Hilarious. It's probably on Facebook somewhere way back. That was a TikTok trend for a short period of time. What, turning magazine covers? Turning your photos into magazine covers. Mm. I still have not done TikTok. I just see it on Reddit every once in a while. Yeah. Now Back. that I... Go ahead. Back to impact factors. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now we're on to ass eaters. Like like off on, a, on like a TikTok tangent. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to impact factor, like obviously you want to publish in a journal that has a decent one. But I also don't think that you should put all of your stock into whether or not a bunch of different scientists who all like to pat themselves on the back have decided that what you're saying is worthwhile. Yeah. Because there are plenty of scientists out there that have new ideas that break the mold and go against what's normal. And um, it's not necessarily accepted ideas yet, but in the future we'll find out that, you know. It like, is, yeah. Well, and being published is better than not. If you're hung up on an yeah. impact factor, like you're, you know, like just get published. I mean, that's yeah, first exactly. and foremost. And you definitely want to be published on like a PubMed journal. Yeah. You just um, you need to have an impact of 10. Like, when you say scientists patting each other on the back, I think of that meme where Barack Obama is putting a medal around himself. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically academia right there. Yeah. Like, just, like, hey, we're the yeah. same people we're all gonna get the same five awards and you have to clap for me every year what's up yeah that's like, fun. academia I'm yeah so job after this i swear at this point we'll do our sign off because i think we'll just start going on tangents at this point we already brought up our new trade publication ass eaters daily or yeah. we going with, we're going with digest but digest. it might be a day i mean nick really <laughs> wants to put this out yeah, there's a lot of daily fluctuation yeah. in ass eating that really needs to get out there so yeah um yeah, so this is the Human Element Podcast. We're super professional and official. Thanks for joining. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so um, my sign-off, actually, it, it can pertain to research, um, which is I actually had an argument, I, uh, maybe a debate. Um, somebody posted on Instagram a post that said something like, food intolerances can torpedo any diet. If you suspect that food is bad for you, remove it from your diet for at least two weeks. Not bad advice. I'm not saying that's bad advice. I commented and said just be aware there's no such thing as a gluten intolerance. You are either allergic or you are not. There is a non-gluten wheat sensitivity that occurs, but that's not the same as gluten allergy or celiac disease. So like an allergy is a protein that is affected. So like make sure you know what you're talking about. People interchange intolerances and sensitivity. Um, those are not the same thing. It, just because people use them interchangeably does not mean that they are. But basically, this other dietitian tried to start arguing with me, saying, it's not that black and white. Those words are interchangeable. And I said, no, it's not. And I explained it to her. And then she said, um, this post is about intolerance, which can include gluten intolerances. Once again, I said, there's no such thing as gluten intolerances, blah, blah. But ultimately, she asked me for a source. And I think that's what's important is if you feel like there's no end in sight in a back and forth, and you need to find a source that can back up what you're saying. You know, just talking out of your ass because you believe it doesn't mean anything. So if you can find research that shows, and I did, I found her the source and I showed it to her. Um, but basically, a lot of stuff that we believe, say, in popular culture comes from misreading and data or listening to someone else who misinterpreted the data and then you misinterpret it and now we're playing telephone. And then people just accept it because everyone else accepts it. So do your due diligence, find your research, look into it. If something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Look into it. If you want to believe in something, look into it, but look into the opposite of it. Get a well-rounded idea of what you are saying before you just start spreading misinformation. Yeah, there you go. Um, my sign-off is actually going to be, it's not going to be research-based because to be completely honest, I totally blanked on that portion of this so I actually typed it here while we were recording <laughs> but um so yeah one thing that's been going through my mind I guess it is a little research based we have my personal study of one kittens might be better than puppies we need to reproduce it so 
Um, kittens are better than puppies, but dogs are better than cats. Agreed. Very yeah. much agreed. Mm-hmm. Puppies suck. Well, I, I, I when people everybody here is very speciesist, <laughs> and I'm not about it. <laughs> about what? I, I think that puppies and kittens and dogs and cats all have wonderful things about them, and that I would like to have a bunch. Oh, yeah, that, I, I can agree with that. All right, but we gotta we gotta officially close this out. So, but thank you everybody for listening. If you made it through, this was and thank um, you, Doctor Foley, for coming on today. It was awesome. Absolutely, thank you. Uh, First, sorry guys, didn't realize that was a thing. What? Uh, No, it's cool. We don't. I mean, Nick dropped the ball on that one, so blame him. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's my fault. So my my sign off is just keep being you. Yay. Yeah, exactly. I'm with that. Yeah, it doesn't have to be research based. Foley sign off is isolate everything in your life and change one thing at a time. Exactly. Bro, <laughs> All right, we gotta get out of here. The issue in your life is you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You're you're the problem. You're the problem. Like I am the toxic influence on my life. Yep. But thank you guys. Subscribe to the podcast. Give the video a like rate us on apple whatever you can do we greatly appreciate it yeah like subscribe all that garbage i'm really bad at telling people to do that but we need me you to too do that. yeah me too so I have to be on guys yeah thank you for yeah, coming back and do it again this was fun yeah no maybe we can have you and uh nerd on next time oh, that's fun. Yeah. we need to keep when adding people yeah we have <laughs> <laughs> new trend every week we have to add another person and it just keeps growing